1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27. Solomon is praying at the dedication of the temple. He says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee. As we continue to study who God is, we have to realize right at the outset that God is infinite. That's the way he is. God is infinite. And as Solomon said there, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. Now, we have a problem right there in the very word infinity. Because we use the word in everyday speech and we use it wrongly. Um, you've heard people say that I took infinite pains over that. Well, you didn't, you see. Um, because infinite means limitless and boundless. And the moment you put a bound on it or a limit on it, it is an infinite. Infinite means limitless and boundless. And therefore, in a very real sense, we can never use that word of any creature or anything that creatures do. You have never done anything that is infinite. For everything that you have done has a limit to it. Everything that you know is bounded. And everything that we shall ever talk of God is infinite. Let me kind of blow your little mind. Uh, I know of no better way of, of saying it. It's exactly what Solomon said here. The most infinite thing that a human can think of is space. Can you imagine an end to space? No. Take it around. Can you? Can you think of an end to space? Now, do you realize that space is contained within God? That's what I mean by infinite. Someone described it as, if you can think of one little drop of water in the Pacific Ocean, that drop of water is our space. The Pacific Ocean is God. The trouble is, the Pacific Ocean does have a boundary, and therefore that's a bad picture. Do, do you see what I'm trying to say here? Does that give you any idea of what infinity is? And if you feel I just can't think about that, maybe that's exactly what I want you to say. You tell me that, that that's brought you to the ends of thought. And everything we say about God is infinite. There is no bound to anything about God. Therefore, we, we say that God has no size. Infinity cannot have a size. Infinity can't be weighed. Can't weigh God. See, I am six feet tall, and I'm progressing in weight, um, and that is a statement of my finity. A statement of my boundary. I am bounded. I'm only six feet tall. That's my boundary. Uh, and this way I have a boundary. And that way I have a boundary. Uh, that's a statement of my finity. But infinity means there is no limit. 
and it never can be bounded. And we've got to stop thinking of God in terms of more or less. If God could have more, then he wouldn't be boundless, would he? If something is boundless, you can't add to it, can you? Really. If it is boundless, you can't take anything away, else it would stop being boundless. Right? You are allowed to nod. Don't just sit there with eyes bugging out of me. You threaten me. That <laughs> This is some of the toughest things we say at the beginning because then it rapidly fits together as you go along and you see what I'm getting at. But God doesn't have so much love. If he had so much and could have more, then he's not boundless, is he? That's why we say he is love. Boundless, limitless. There is no limit to his love. God doesn't have so much mercy. He is mercy. There is no limit to it. Right? Infinity is the way God is. God doesn't have so much anger that cools or becomes hot again. Anger is the way God is. Never changes. He's infinite in his anger, infinite in his love, infinite in all that he is. In Jeremiah, book of the prophet Jeremiah, in chapter 23, verse 23, he says, Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places, so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? He said, I fill it all. If you go to the highest heaven, God is there. Come to the lowest part of earth, God is there. He is infinite, boundless, limitless. So personal spirit who is infinite. Now you apply that infinity, that is that boundlessness, apply that to time. God has no time. Because if he is boundless regarding time, he couldn't begin. Because if he began, that would be a limitation. And he can't end because that would be a limitation. So regarding time, when we apply the infinity of God to time, we say he is eternal. The eternal God is the one who is above time, outside of time, and yet he's within time. So God can be right now in our time. But at the same time, God is outside of time. He never began and he will never end. And again, I cannot think of that which never began. We shall keep on coming back to this all the way through because everything we say about God never began. See, when you love someone, that love began. It began because there was something about that one that you love that drew that love from you. Therefore, that person was the cause of your love. Right? And if that person should do something that you don't like and rebel against you and turn against you, or if that person should die, then the love has lost its reason and object. It began, it can end. But with God, he says, with an everlasting love. That is, 
God is love. He's eternal in his love. There is nothing that made him begin to love and there is nothing that can make him stop loving because he himself is the reason of his love. It's entirely different to man's love. Entirely different. For it's of infinite and eternal character. God's joy is different to ours. If you have joy, it's because something nice happened. There is an object of your joy. Take that object away and you lose your joy. Joy among humans is an up and down kind of thing, totally dependent upon the circumstances they find themselves in. All human joy began, therefore all human joy can end. But with God, it says everlasting joy upon their heads. That's God's joy. God has joy in himself. God doesn't need an object outside of himself to give him joy. He is in himself a fountain of joy, therefore it's everlasting. It never began, never ends. Even though you don't understand all I'm saying, do you hear it? <laughs> Clearly, do you hear it? I mean, you get what I'm saying, even if you can't grasp it. And so Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27 speaks of the everlasting God. And underneath are the everlasting arms. The everlasting God. Or in Genesis 21:33, you read of Abraham building an altar to the everlasting God. Psalm 102 and verse 24. Psalm 102 and verse 24. It says, O my God, do not take me away in the midst of my years. Thy years, that's God, your years, are throughout all generations. Of old thou hast found the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Even they will perish, but thou dost endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing thou wilt change them, and they will be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years will not come to an end. That's a human way of trying to say this. He said, God, your years are through all generations. He said, as long as man has lived, you are. And he said, before man was, you are. Because you founded the heavens and the earth. And you were there before there was anything. And he says, even when the heavens have gone, you're still there. You are the God who is everlasting. Put into terms that man can sort of understand. Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or thou didst give birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Someone has said from vanishing point to vanishing point, God is. The eternal God. Psalm 93, in verse 2, says, Thy throne is established from of old, thou art from everlasting. Now, every creature, that's every person you know, everything that's created, is always somewhere in regard to past, present, or future. Right? So if we're talking about Abraham Lincoln, he's a creature. Now, we've got him somewhere. He's in the past. Right? Uh, talking about you, you're in the present. I got gotcha. you. Pinpoint you in the present. 
talk about that baby that's going to be born next week. The baby will be in the future. Everything you know has a place, past, present or future. But you can tie them into time somewhere. But when you come to God, God doesn't belong in the past, nor is he the exclusive possession of the present, nor is he someone in the future. God says his name is I am. Not I was, not I will be, he says I am. The past and the future meet in God who says I am. Maybe you'd understand a little what I'm trying to say. Do you remember when Jesus declared his deity on one occasion and the Jews uh, accused him of claiming to be God because of what he said? Do you remember what he said? Before Abraham was, I am. Now you think about that. Jesus could have said, before Abraham was, I was. Now that would have been bad enough. Before Abraham was, I was. But he said, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham is one of those creatures that we can place into the past. We pin him down in the past. Jesus said, before he was in his point in the past, I lived in an eternal present. I am. Which took it out of the context of merely saying, I existed before Abraham. He's saying more than that. He said, Abraham, future, past, present, meet in me, I am. You see what I say? The eternal one. The I am. So you get expressions like the one in the book of Revelation chapter 1, where he says, I am the beginning and the ending. Now, if he had said, I was the beginning and I will be the ending, that would have been some statement. But the statement is, I am the beginning and the ending. He says, the beginning and the ending meet in me. It's, it's hard enough to think of God being at the beginning. But to think of him being at the ending at the same time. And to encompass all of it in himself. That's what I mean by eternity. You can't pin him down to the past. You can't wishfully hope for him in the future. He says, I am. All that God ever was, he is, and all that he is, he always will be. The I am. I, I saw a little tiny bit of that when I began to write. Um... I remember the book that has just been published, it's out there at the back, that was a commercial thrown in. Um, <laughs> I remember when I, I sat down to write that, and, and um, I, I planned the whole book out, chapter by chapter, and, and there it was, and, and I began to write the book. But as I began the first word of chapter one, I already knew the last word of the last chapter. I was the author. That book was in me. And I was at the beginning and the ending at the same time. I was in a different time to the time in that book. If you were a character on the pages of that book, you would be moving through its pages. 
on a blank sheet kind of time. You are now in chapter 1, that's a period of time. And you'd move through into chapter 2, another period of time. But I, the author, I'm outside of that book. Even though I appear in many of its pages, but I'm outside of the book. I'm in another kind of time. A kind of time that I could whisper to any character in the book, I am the beginning and the ending. At your beginning, I already know the end and I'm there. It's existing inside of me. Does that make any sense to you? It helped me a lot to um, try and understand that I'm walking right now through, through the, the, this story. We're in whatever chapter, we're living on flat surface time. And outside of our time, in what we call eternity, is the author of the whole thing. And he can whisper to a creature here and a creature there, I am the beginning and the ending. And yet at the same time, he's right inside the book. He appears on all the pages. But he actually belongs outside of it, though he moves within it. Okay? The eternal one. Without beginning, without end. He was before creation. A creation is when time began. Before creation, there was no time. In the beginning. The beginning of what? Time. In the beginning, God said. And then the whole of creation unfolded. And so before time, there was only eternity. And there was only God. And so anything that is eternal is God. No creature claims eternity. All creatures began. And so that which never began is God. And that which never began will never end. And all else is a creature made by God. Now he may give to us the gift of eternal life. But that is not ours in ourself. It's been given to us. God is eternal in himself. Now, the God who is spirit, the God who is infinite spirit, the God who is eternal infinite spirit, that God is the unchanging God. I enjoy the unchanging God maybe more than anything I've said tonight. This is something I can get my hands onto and my teeth into. God is not only unchanging, but God is unchangeable. Now you must note the difference there. For there are some things that may not change, but they could. They could. But when I come to God, it is not only that he does not change. I must add to that, he could not change. He is unchanging and he is unchangeable. Uh check a few scriptures there are some that I'm, I'm sure you are very well aware of let me bring them to your mind in numbers and chapter 23 you remember the prophecy of the the old witch the spirit of God took over and made Balaam say things he never planned on saying and some of those things were this God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent has he said and will he not do it or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? He said, God is not a man, he can't lie. God cannot change his mind. God cannot go back on what he said. If he did, he would be a creature. He'd be like us. 
God is not a man that he should lie. God does not repent. God is who he is, who he is, who he always will be. Um, 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. And in verse 29, he said, The glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind. For he is not a man that he should change his mind. The purposes of God go on. God never goes back on what he said. He's unchangeable. You remember in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, God states it very plainly, I am the Lord, I change not. In James 1 and 17, there is a beautiful picture of this. Um, James chapter 1 and verse 17 he says, every good thing bestowed, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He said, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Have you ever seen a sundial? Do you know what a sundial is? That round circular stone with all the hours of the day marked on it, and there's this piece of steel in the middle, and as the sun falls on it, so the shadow moves around the sundial and tells you the exact time. That's the reference here. He said, God isn't like the shifting shadow of the sun. The sun, just like the rest of creation, is always changing. Right now, the moon is not where it was a moment ago. And now it is not where it will be in a moment's time. It's a shifting shadow. God, says James 1.17, never moves. He says, God's shadow cast on this earth. Every word he has said, he is now saying, and he will always say. He's never moving. He's unchanging and unchangeable. Go back to Psalm 33. Psalm 33, and in verse 11, he says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. God does not hold a committee meeting and decide that it wasn't so hot what he planned. Let's shift and change. You realize now that the foundation of faith is on this particular attribute of God. If God changes, how can I trust him tomorrow? If God has only not changed so far... How can I trust him tomorrow? But the fact is, God is unchangeable. That is, he is not capable of changing. This is the infinity of his being. The infinity of who he is. That being utterly perfect, that is perfection without limits. That's God. And if he is perfection without limits, he doesn't have to change. You only change because you're not perfect, you know. If you were perfect, you wouldn't change, and now you're not. And if you weren't, I don't think you're moving too quickly towards it, but the fact is you're moving, you're changing. See, all creatures, that is all that isn't God, changes. That, what do I mean by that? I mean that today, the creature is in nature, or the creature is in their state, or in their will and their choices, they are today 
what they were not yesterday. And they will be tomorrow something they are not today. Something since yesterday has been added to them or something has been taken away from them. You are not today what you were yesterday. It may not show. It may show. It may be so small that only ten weeks from now will you realize the change that has taken place. Today you are more mellow than you were yesterday. It may not show up for another six months, but the change is gradually going on every day. Or you may be worse than you were yesterday. Every one of us are changing for the better or for the worse. Big changes, small changes. You're not the same size as you were yesterday. You're changing. Some of you very visibly so, very quickly. But the change is taking place. Moving all the time, changing, changing. Something's being added to us, something's being taken away from us. Everything that God created is changing. Today the leaves are off the tree. A few weeks ago they were green on the tree. A few weeks before that they were buds on the tree. A few weeks before that they were bare leaves, bare, bare branches. Changing, 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 changing. Everything that God created changes. There is a sense in which all that changes never really is. Do you see what I mean when if I say, I, I can say you were, I know what you were yesterday. And maybe I can project what you will be tomorrow. But what are you? We're always changing. So are we anything, ever? Always in a state of change. A baby isn't what it was yesterday, isn't what it will be tomorrow. But it's moving somewhere between the two. It never stops and just is. It's always changing. So are you. So in a sense, that which changes never really is. It is not remaining what it was, and it now is something it was not, and will become something it never has been. Right? So, in a sense, all us creatures are constantly dying to what was, and beginning to be what was not before. Right? They tell me that my whole body dies out every few weeks. Or is it years? Years, yeah, years. Anyway, I'm dying pretty regularly. <laughs> uh, and shucking off the old and whole new me coming on. All the time. All the time. If you really want to feel this, get a candle and light it. And just watch it for one minute. And at the end of that minute... That candle will be what it was not a minute ago. And it is now what it will not be in a minute's time. And then look in the mirror and say, the same thing is happening to me. I'm changing all the time, changing in every possible way you could think of. In your spirit, you're not today what you were yesterday. Maybe a minus, maybe a plus, but the fact is you're not the same. Your understanding, your mentality... You are not what you were yesterday. I trust you will be a lot different in 12 weeks time. The change is going on all the time. All the time. 
Everything that you say about a creature, about a human, anything God created, you have to say was, is, or will be. But when I come to God, we're back again to I am. God never changes. The infinity of his being. Total perfection cannot be any different than total perfection. For if you have to add to total perfection, then it wasn't perfect before, or you wouldn't have had to add to it, nor could you have added. How can you add to infinite perfection? For if you have to add to total perfection, then it wasn't perfect before, or you wouldn't have had to add to it, nor could you have added. How can you add to infinite perfection? If it's capable of addition, it wasn't infinite before. And of course, if something is taken away from infinite perfection, then it isn't infinite perfection anymore. You cannot add to God, you cannot take away from Him. He is the I Am. God can never gain anything, any more than He can lose anything. Unchanging. And because I don't know anything that doesn't change, I find it very hard to think of God, the unchanging one. There are a number of people who believe that God changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. People are always saying that the God of the Old Testament is a God of anger and wrath. The God of the New Testament is a God of love. Well, that means then something has been taken away from God, or maybe we should say something's been added to God, but whichever way you say it, we cannot look at God then and say he's infinitely perfect. No, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. God is today everything he always has been. He's the unchanging, the unchangeable. In Psalm 102, we've already referred to it once when speaking of his eternity, but look at it again. It says, go right through it, from verse 25, it says, The heavens are the work of thy hands, but even they will perish, but thou dost endure. All of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing, they will change them, be changed. Thou art the same, and thy years will not come to an end. Speaking of his eternity, but also his unchangeableness. What is the most unchanging thing that you know? I believe if you thought about it, it would be the sky. And the landscape changes. Earth changes. Earth has upheavals, earthquakes, lots of things happen on earth. But the sky is always there. Oh, I know clouds go across it, but it's there. It'll be there tomorrow morning. There it is, the great expanse of the sky, as the Bible calls the heavens. That is the most unchangeable thing you know. You can be sure you will not wake up tomorrow morning and find a green sky. It's unchangeable. And you know that it's been there from generations and it will be there as far as you know. It's unchangeable. And, and the psalmist picks hold of the most unchangeable thing in man's world and says, but even they will perish. He says, one day God is going to pick up the heavens like a person changing clothes, wrap it up and put it in the cupboard and the whole sky will change. He says, even the most unchangeable thing known to man will one day change. But thou dost endure. Thou art the same. God never changes 
or as he says, his counsels are throughout all generations. What God decided before the world began is what God still is working out and unchangeably will continue till the end. Anytime you want to know where God is going to end, study the plan that he gave at the beginning and you know he'll get there. Because he's unchangeable, he will never change his mind halfway through. Now this unchangeableness is the common denominator of every perfection of God. You see, just to be unchangeable, and just hang that by itself, unchangeable, that's not necessarily a good thing. The devils are unchangeable in their hatred of God. That's not a good thing. So to say God is unchangeable by itself would not necessarily be a perfection of God. But when I say his love is unchangeable, his mercy is unchangeable, his grace is unchangeable, his anger is unchangeable, every perfection of God is unchangeable. Therefore this one attribute ties them all together and says everything God is, he always is. He's unchangeable wherever you meet him. I tell you, I can rest in that very deeply. I can be very, very certain. Whatever I know of God is always true of God. It doesn't matter how you feel about him. God is not what you feel him to be. God is who he is, unchangeably so. Because you felt God in a service last week and you don't feel him this week should not matter the minute to you at all. For God is unchangeable in his presence. He said he's with us, he is with us. Unchangeable. God could not be otherwise. If he was capable of being otherwise, he would not be God. The unchangeable God. That name that we've constantly referred to, the name of God, the I Am, if God had said his name was I was, then God would be now what he once was not. He's the I was, I used to be that, I am this. If his name had been given to us as the I will be, then he would be now not what he will be. He's in process. But when he says I am, then he is stating that in every moment he is what he was and will be in all moments of time. The unchanging and unchangeable God. Now, if any of you get your minds back together before you leave the building, I know somebody's going to come up to me and say, but the Bible says God changed his mind. And if you weren't going to come and tell me, let me tell you that the Bible says... <laughs> That God changed his mind. The, probably the classic one is Jonah. If you've got a King James Version, it says the Lord repented. Um, and so when Jonah went into the city of Nineveh, and he preached 40 days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. And the Bible says, and then God changed his mind, and said that he would not judge the people. You recollect the story? There are also other references, not a mass of them, but it's referred to in Jeremiah and also in Exodus, that the Lord changed his mind. 
would well let me give you an expression I'll explain it God never changes his will but he does will a change now why was Nineveh to be destroyed in 40 days because of sin the people were living in sin and they were doing so defying the holiness of God Jonah goes and declares the will of God what was the will of God the will of God was that sin must be judged there is no other way around it it must be judged and in 40 days time said Jonah you will know that what happened the king on his throne all the way through the peasants they all repented of their sin and did so in sackcloth and ashes result God willed a change but he had not changed his will his will was sin must be punished they changed their behavior they changed their mind so God never changed his about sin that was still the same however they had changed therefore he now willed a change to them do, do, do you see what I'm saying here so when you read in the Bible that God changed his mind basically that is one of those things we talked about earlier an anthropomorphism it only looked as if God changed his mind from man's point of view but when you bring that story into all that God has to say he didn't change his mind they changed theirs and therefore they experienced the love of God and the goodness of God for a period of time time later when they didn't repent Nineveh was destroyed just as God said because he'd never changed his will he had will to change because they had changed their minds you see what I'm saying now? I didn't think you would as easy as that <laughs> some people have a great problem with that and so in all my dealings with God I'm the one who changes God never does now th this really could change a lot of praying when you think about it we are not coming to twist the arm of God in prayer to try and make him change to do what we want him to do God has stated himself in the scripture every promise God will unchangeably keep but I can never make God be anybody than who he is and however loud a prayer is and however long a prayer is God will never change who he is God doesn't change I do and I would say that many many hours of prayer usually is to change me at the end of that time I say God heard I'd say no I finally did <laughs> I was the one that took all that time to change me to align myself to God you can think about that but you'll find that is so often the case it's true it is in this unchangeableness of God that I lower my anchor of faith and a Christian is immovable not because he's immovable in himself or immovable in his feelings about God but he has anchored himself to the immovable unchangeable God I suppose that this is the key to any rest in God that I've ever known I rest in God 
And people sometimes come and say, but don't you ever feel down? Good grief, feel down? I feel depth. I just don't feel down. But I have long since learned that whatever my feelings are, however splattered across the wall of life they are, God hasn't changed one iota. And my anchor is in God, not in the waves. If I had put my anchor in the waves, then I would be adrift. But I have placed my anchor into the bedrock of the unchangeable God. And therefore, even if there is a gale blowing with 90-foot waves, my anchor is in the unchangeable God and I don't move. You see what I mean? To know this attribute of God can bring a rest into your life that you've been looking for for a long time. It won't, it won't immune you from trouble, but it will bring you rest in the middle of trouble. Now, I want you to grasp what we've said tonight very well. We've just laid the groundwork. Uh, we'll get our teeth into who God is as from now on. But everything we're going to say about God, I want you to remember, He is spirit. He is person. He is infinite. He is eternal. He is unchangeable. Take anything that is true of God, you'll come back. That's his essence. That's his essential person. That's who he is. And everything else we say about him will be thus. His goodness is eternal goodness. It is an infinite goodness. It is an unchangeable goodness. His wrath against sin is an eternal wrath. His wrath against sin is unchangeable. It will never cool. His wrath against sin is eternal, without ending, even as it had no beginning. The presence of God with us. In his presence he's the eternal God. But in his presence he is infinite and therefore he's with us everywhere we are all the time we are where we are. And he's unchangeable. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In his knowledge, God always knew all that he knew, for he's the eternal one. God knows everything that is possible to know, as well as all the things that might have happened, could have happened, and didn't happen. He knows it all, for he's infinite in his knowledge. And he's unchangeable. He never forgets anything. See, everything that we've said tonight is true of God all the way along. And I want you to get a hold of what we've said tonight. And I know from the look on some of your faces, you might feel at this moment like dropping out the course. Don't. You will find as the weeks go by, a grasp upon all that we've said tonight. You begin to see where it all fits in. And such a rest in God that will be worth every bit of what it costs you in terms of renewing your mind. The power of the Holy Spirit. So stick with us and let the Holy Spirit be your teacher this week as you study what you learned tonight. Amen.